Welcome to a special week of episodes on Money with Friends. Here celebrating all the holidays with some special podcasts. Coming to you from my mom's half-finished basement in Detroit, Michigan, I'm Joe Salcihai. And I'm Bobby Rebel coming to you from New York City. Snowy, happy. When I think of, by the way, the holidays, I think of New York City. You're like in the epicenter of holiday world. We are. We are. There's a lot of things to do, and we get a lot of tourists here in New York City. Lots of. I love visiting um, Rockefeller Center and mm. all of the holiday windows in the stores. I know that's so cliche, but they do a good job. How much does it cost to go ice skating at Rockefeller Center? Do you have any idea? Have you done it? I have not done it there. I've done it in a place called Bryant Park. Oh, yeah, which is sure. Super fun. And I believe that if I remember correctly, I haven't been there in a couple years, but I believe the actual skating is often free, but you will pay if you need to rent skates. I think you have to get a ticket, but it's a free ticket. Gotcha. We'll have to double check on that one. Thanks for putting me on the spot, Joe. Anything I can do. <laughs> that is my job. Uh, it's probably $147,000 for skates. I know. No, 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 no. You can bring your own. Well, well hey. that's the thing. In Detroit, it is free and you have to get a ticket, but it is free. Uh, but the skate rental is outrageous. It, it is a ton of money to rent skates. But we're not here to talk about skates. We have a very special week of shows for you t this week, uh, not just today. Today, we're going to have a special episode that I was lucky to record in early October and hold for right now. The next three days, we're going to have some surprise episodes, so come back tomorrow through Friday. And then Saturday and Monday, we have a whole different set of surprises, Bobby. We're giving people a bunch of gifts this holiday week. Yes, we are. We've, but they have to listen every single day <laughs> to find out. There'll be little hints along the way. Absolutely. Well, we're going to kick it off today with this one. Uh, I was lucky that Chris Mamula, the uh, co-author of a great blog that I love called Can I Retire Yet? Where he co-hosts it with our friend Daryl Kirkpatrick. Uh, the two of them write about early retirement. Chris retired in his early 40s, if I remember correctly. We'll probably say it on this episode. We, he retired very early, but then he wrote a phenomenal piece saying that retirement might not be what you're actually looking for. And I thought the perfect place to talk about this, where we talk about surprising stuff, is on Money with Friends. So while we had him in town on his speaking tour for his Choose FI book tour, uh, he came down to the basement, we hooked up a microphone, and then right as we were getting ready to go, my neighbor, an awesome podcaster, a guy you know really well too, Bobby, Andy Hill from Marriage, Kids, and Money came by. We're like, Andy, let's set up a microphone for him too. So I apologize, Bobby, that we didn't invite you to this particular party, but we'll make sure we catch you <laughs> next time. Well, I'm a big fan of all three of yours, so I'm excited for this episode. Here we go. This is a special episode we recorded in early October, Chris Mamula. Andy Hill, and me. Retirement. Is that really the goal? One author says, maybe not. We're going to talk about that in a very special episode of Money with Friends. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Money with Friends podcast, coming to you live from my mom's half-finished basement where we make the Stacking Benjamin show. I'm Joe Saul Sihai. It's great to be in the basement. Normally, I am in Utah, and I write at Can I Retire Yet? And you are? And I am Chris Mamula. 
<laughs> and also with us. I'm Andy Hill. I'm here in Joe's mom's half-finished basement, but normally I'm up the street because I'm his neighbor. That's and I right. also write at Marriage, Kids, and Money. And podcast at Marriage, Kids, and Money. That's right. On this special episode, we're going to do what we usually do, which is talk about a recent piece in the financial media. Not only, though, are we going to read it like some other podcasts do, we're actually going to talk about it and have takeaways about what it means to you. Today's podcast is brought to you by Tiller Money. Tiller is the place where I manage my money. When it comes to looking at your expenses, no place I like better than Tiller for 20% off your annual subscription and one month free. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash T-I-L-L-E-R. Well, this is kind of weird, guys, because usually... We talk about a piece. This piece is from MarketWatch, and we talk about who the author is. We usually don't have the author here with us, though. This is written by Chris Mamula. Do you, do you know who that guy is? He's brilliant, brilliant writer. <laughs> just, just amazing. <laughs> We're going to have Chris and Andy Hill talking about retirement in just a second, but let's see who's going to kick off today's show for us. This is Richie from Texarkana, Texas. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, it's time for our headlines. Well, I usually don't get to read the piece right in front of the author, so I feel I feel like the glare here. But this is from Market Watch, an opinion piece. It says I fired I followed rather the path to fire financial independence retire early and learned that early retirement is the wrong goal. Chris writes, the growing fire movement is frequently pursued with zeal under the assumption that retiring in order to escape unfulfilling jobs is the path to happiness. The sooner we get there, the better the thinking goes, but sometimes that makes us less happy, at least for a while. I experienced this in my own quest for early retirement, and I discovered this is a common experience for others as well. That only changed after we learned to focus on appreciating the progressive security and freedom that you gain on the journey to financial independence. Many people reading this are capable of saving far more than the commonly recommended 10% of your income. Doing so would enable you to become financially independent long before the accepted retirement age. But it can be hard to do something so out of step with those that surround you. Stories from the FIRE community can have the opposite effect. The most dramatic stories tend to draw the most attention. Some people report saving upward of 70% of their salaries and retiring as early as their 30s or even late 20s. These stories can be inspiring inspirational, as well as illuminate lessons and principles that can be applied to your own finances. Creating a new normal can be incredibly powerful for those looking to change their financial future. Unfortunately, this can also lead to a different comparison game. Instead of trying to keep up with the Joneses, I started to compare myself to others seeking to achieve financial independence and retire as quickly as possible, leading to regret over mistakes that I couldn't go back and change. Uh, I think we're going to leave it there. Uh, Chris, you've got a lot of other great points in this piece, but I think that's probably enough for today. When you said you started uh, comparing yourself to other people, tell me what you meant by that. Exactly what type of people and what were they doing that you thought you should be doing too? Yeah, so when I found the FIRE movement, um, there was people that were talking about, it really seemed like they were on this optimized path where they had all of their their expenses were optimized, their investing was optimized, and they were doing everything, and they were trying to get to retirement as quickly as they could. And my wife and I were really good savers. We were already doing a lot of things that they were doing from a savings perspective, but then we were just making massive mistakes with investing and tax planning because we had no concept of what we were doing. And 
there was really nothing we could go back and change. But uh, for whatever reason, I just kind of was so focused on these mistakes that we made and we couldn't change. And I was also focused on this idea of retirement and getting there as fast as we could. And I kind of stopped appreciating a lot of the stuff that we already were doing and that we already had that was making us happy. And so I think, yeah, I definitely became less happy there for a period of time. Uh, Even though it was a net positive to find this movement and to find these lessons, there was a period of struggle um, before we got back to that happy place where we actually already were before we knew what we were doing. It's funny how the movement created so much self-exacerbated pressure. Like, like not pressure from external forces, but pressure on you to what, to be a role model, to be what? Nobody I didn't feel was necessarily judging me. I think I was judging myself. I was just comparing myself and, and kind of like we talk about this, is retirement the right goal? I think for a lot of people, retirement seems so far off, so they don't do anything. And they're comparing themselves to other people who also aren't doing anything, which isn't healthy. But then we get into this community where people are so focused on it and they're so um, money focused um, and it can lead to just an opposite problem. And- I don't know if that's the right goal either. Yeah, it's funny, Andy, turning to you. We uh, did a story this fall about how car loans are going to seven years now. So many people are um, are obsessed with spending way more than they have. And it, while their, their paychecks haven't gone up, continuing to live a middle-class lifestyle as that gets more and more and more expensive. You and I, though, as podcasters in this geeky community, we live in a whole different place. The, the pressure... Chris talks about, I, I sometimes feel that. Like, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a role model. Should I be spending any money at all? Should I be living on beans and rice? Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you look at the overall general population with some of those decisions that are made like that, I understand where Chris is coming from because we have two worlds that we're looking at. This, uh, you know, uh, this spending culture where maybe it's living a little paycheck to paycheck. We're talking about these seven-year leases. And then there's this optimized fire lifestyle or personal finance community that we look at and we say, hey, how can we how can we be like that? So yeah, I mean, when you're living through this on a day-to-day basis, it can seem like, hey, am I doing everything that needs to be optimized? But to, to Chris's point, what can we do to find a middle ground that works personally for us as opposed to what everybody else is doing? So whether that's whether that's living paycheck to paycheck or trying to get your seven-year car lease or trying to have aspirations for this fire community, really asking yourself internally, and I've done this a lot personally too, what's the best thing for me and my family as opposed to what everybody else is doing? Well, and, and your family was what I wanted to focus on because when you say us, you're married, yes. you know, and you feel this pressure sometimes like I have to, to, you know, cut back and live this very Spartan lifestyle so that I can be the role model. Does your, does your spouse feel that? Uh, we are, um, I would say almost the exact opposite when it comes to money. Um, and uh, it's great, though, because I have this sort of saving mentality where I want to I wanna hit these big goals. I want to hit net worth goals or I want to hit savings goals. And then she helps me to realize that life is for living today. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So what can we do to, yes, think about the future, but also enjoy what we have today? And so I think that Having her be a little bit opposite of me has helped me to ground myself a little bit and realize that, yeah, there are some great things that are happening today. It doesn't have to be retirement or this early this early retirement or financial independence that is the thing that we can be waiting for, that it's going to be so great when we get there. We can have some great enjoyment today, and she's helped me to realize a lot of that. That sounds like your, your point in this piece. Chris, that that this idea of happiness later, this deferred happiness, probably isn't what we should be shooting for. Yeah, I would agree. And before we even go to that, like just to build on what Andy said, I think a lot of times we look at everything as like black and white and just so simple. And 
there's so much nuance to all this stuff. So like for my wife and I, we were always on the same page and I thought we had the same value. So saving was super easy for us, but we liked saving for really, really different reasons. Like for me, I did want to escape. Like I was in a career that was not fulfilling and I wanted to get out as quickly as I could. So there was an element of the retirement part that I did want to do. And for her, saving was all about security. She grew up with not having any financial security and she really liked the way it felt. So to go from you know, having this massive savings rate that allowed us to get to financial independence to then jumping into a, a traditional retirement where you're spending down your assets. It was terrifying for her. And it created, because we now were, after being on the same page for 15, 16 years, and now we're on totally different pages, it actually created a lot of tension and, and problems in our marriage. And so there's just so many different twists and turns to this. And there's really not simple rules of thumb that you can follow all the time, even within uh, a particular couple things change and dynamics change over time. I want to I want to ask you about those the, about the marital problems. When you first came uh, to her, because I'm assuming that you brought the idea of let's get even more aggressive to her, right? Uh, what did she say when you started talking about becoming more extreme about your savings rate? Well, I mean. That that conversation didn't even last long. Like there, there was a non-starter, and so that wasn't really <laughs> what, the. F- what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I so my initial introduction to the fire movement was early retirement extreme, and it was written by a guy uh, Jacob Lundfisker, who was describing living on less than ten thousand dollars a year in the San Francisco Bay Area, and so it was like it was literally beans and rice, and going not even just eating beans and rice, but going to like a warehouse store to get the best price on your beans and rice, and uh, <laughs> and so like when I showed this to her because I was just desperate to for a change. And I was actually literally, I was considering that. Yeah. And it sounded kind of reasonable at that point in time. And she's like, there's no way. And so, I I mean, I knew that wasn't going to happen, but as we started going down this road, like just stupid stuff, like how much money should we have in our savings account? And we would fight for like a week about just stupid stuff. Like if it should be a couple thousand dollars more or less, not anything that's going to even move the needle um, because we were so focused on money and just stuff like that would just just start to cause conflict. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, after going through all these years with never fighting about money to go to that, uh, it was a shocker. You're not you're not a marriage counselor, so you're not counseling anybody else about their marriage here. I want to make that clear to everybody listening. But how did you guys resolve that? Because it seems to me that you're past that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was just a gradual process of just getting back onto the same page, kind of figuring out, like, what did she want? What did I want? How could we have what was important to us as a couple, but also allow us to each um, kind of actualize individually and, and kind of get what we wanted out of our lives that, you know, when we weren't on the same page, how could we do that without, you know, having too much conflict where it's taking away from what felt good as a marriage? So getting back to what your shared mission is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Andy, it's funny, you know, uh, uh, you and I and a bunch of other great people here in Detroit were able to host uh, Scott Rickens with his movie Playing With Fire, and we sat there together and watched it in the theater. What Chris is talking about reminds me of a scene in that movie where he and his spouse, Taylor, sit down, they're in a park, and they sit down and they start going over like what their what their shared goals are. And, what, and it, it was funny, what I loved about that scene was some of the things that they were doing were not the were not 
things that were really relevant to either one of them. And they mm-hmm. kind of point that out. Did you and your spouse have any type of discussion like that too? Absolutely. I mean, it's the, a big part of that movie that I liked was them finding the savings rate that worked for them. In the beginning, it was very extreme. And then at points, it was very low. And then they eventually found that middle ground that worked for both of them. And yes, Nicole and I have had a lot of those conversations because as Chris described, once you learn about this opportunity to kind of design your life, whether it's early retirement or financial independence, you get kind of excited about it. And so some things that might seem reasonable to you, like me, um, uh, took over a little bit. And so when I shared some articles or ideas with Nicole, she was very similar to your wife, where it's saying, okay, um, maybe what can we do to find some middle ground to make this work for both of us? So we, for, for an example, we, we paid off our mortgage together, and by working together, she was able to get the house that she wanted that I didn't really want to move into, but we were able to partner together to be able to pay that off in five years. So I got the debt-free life, and she got the house. So it's kind of that middle ground we've been working on on a lot of things, um, and that's just one example of many many conversations we've had together. Did you ever bring the rice idea, the beans and rice idea? <laughs> I never brought up beans and rice. No, not that, <laughs> that, that extreme, um, but yeah, there's different <clears throat> levels for everybody, right? And um, just finding that middle ground that works for you personally as well as your spouse because you've chosen to marry this person for your entire life. So you got to find a middle ground. And we, we definitely found that together. In just a moment, we're going to have our big takeaways from this piece. And this is going to be interesting. If early retirement's not the goal, what is the goal? And I'd like to talk about that. But before we do that, I just need to talk about for a second about our sponsor, Tiller, because I use Tiller to manage our money. And the reason I do that is because I looked at a bunch of different apps and I couldn't find an app that I absolutely loved. The cool thing about Tiller was, even though I'm not generally a spreadsheety kind of guy, With Tiller, it starts off with a bunch of templates, and I chose one. And you can even modify those templates so you can make it the perfect app that you want in your own life. So you can begin tracking your expenses, which will then lead to a budget. And uh, how do you know how you budget until you know how your expenses, uh, how money's being spent? The cool thing about Tiller is you just press one button, and all of your expenses and your investments, if you choose, can come directly from your bank or from your investment accounts directly to Tiller. It all gets there safely. If you want more information and how about 20% off your annual subscription, if you use our link, and by the way, you can test it for uh, a month for free either way, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash T-I-L-L-E-R for more. That's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash T-I-L-L-E-R. And uh, thanks to everybody who's used our link, because not only do you get 20% off, but you also help out the show because that's how they pay us. If you use our link, then we get to keep podcasting because they send us a little thank you for sending you their way. All right. Time. I think I'm going to ask the author last what the takeaway is so he can make us look foolish with our kind of pseudo takeaways. <laughs> but but Andy, that means I'm going to put you in the hot seat. If early retirement's not the goal, what is the goal? I think it's just defining the lifestyle that you want to live that inspires you and then trying to figure out a way to modify your finances to get there. Um, early retirement could you know, could be completely modified uh, to just be a way where you are maybe taking part-time work or you've modified your lifestyle to do work that you are more passionate about that maybe pays you a little bit less money. So I think it's just trying to design the life that you want to live. I love that because mine is very simple, which is deferring this idea of happiness for later for this thing that may not come is is bad two ways. Number one, it 
we don't know if, if the future is going to happen or not. I mean, all we have is right now. But the second thing is, is this this idea that I can walk into happiness later, I think, is a flawed idea. If I'm not happy now, I'm not going to be happy on a vacation to Europe. I'm not going to be happy if I'm financially independent. I'm not going to be happy in a new car. I'm not going to be happy with new clothes. So these things or these ideas aren't going to give us happiness I, so I love your idea of designing it because I think designing it brings happiness and designing every day and living intentionally. So, um, Chris, I'm sure we got it wrong, man. <laughs> I think that was actually pretty good. Uh, I think my take home would be that, you know, money is a tool and money, uh, it's a lesson as old as time, but we forget it all the time, but money is not going to make you happy. Uh, but it can be used to buy your time. It can be used to purchase things that you truly value. And so in that way, it can be used for happiness, but money in itself is just a tool and it could be used for as a, um, to buy the things that are going to improve your life or it can be used to, you know, used for more vices that are going to destroy your life. So it's all it is. And you need to learn to think for yourself and and it doesn't have to be about retirement. It doesn't have to be about anything other than what you want it to be. It's powerful stuff. Uh, let's talk about what you guys both have of going on. Chris, apparently you have this book that's out. I, I may or may not have heard a little bit about it. Tell everybody about the Choose FI book. So my book is Choose FI, Your Blueprint to Financial Independence. And I wrote it with uh, Brad Barrett and Jonathan Mendonza of the Choose FI podcast. And they talk about a lot of people that have gone down this path to fire. And so what we did is distill that in a, in a more orderly fashion than what you can do when the people come on randomly onto a podcast uh, to uh, help people to, uh, A, figure out what we've done right, uh, but also to avoid some of these mistakes that we've made and this, these patterns where people have done things wrong. So you can use your money to live a happier life uh, sooner than most people think is possible. Yeah. Not only is it great stuff that you've come up with, but you guys include the entire community. I mean, you've got advice that comes from all different places. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that's kind of the whole purpose of the book is not to you know, find a guru and latch onto everything they say, but you can learn little bits and pieces from a lot of different people. And you take the parts that work for your life and you throw apart, throw away the parts that don't and uh, build your own path and uh, design your own blueprint. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about one of my favorite uh, sites and a great site on retirement. We've had uh, Darrow on my, your uh, co-author, I guess, co-owner of the site, uh, Can I Retire Yet?, on a couple times, especially when we talk about, by the way, retirement calculators. You guys in retirement calculators are amazing, but mm -hmm. also deep dives into a lot of retirement stuff. Tell me what you and Daryl have coming up on on the site there. Yeah, so at the site, it is a little bit different focus, and we do focus on that retirement question. And I do think it's valuable to know, are you truly, could you retire if you had to? Because a lot of times people don't make the decision. Sometimes it's health. Sometimes it's the economy changes. You lose your job. So to be in that position to be able to retire is a great thing. Um, but, you know, then do you want to retire? And we talk a lot about that too. And what's on the other side of retirement from two people. I did it at 41 and he did it at 50 and two people that are on the other side, looking back and looking forward and figuring out what's next. Yeah. I like the looking forward piece because I feel like too many people look at retirement as the finish line mm. instead of the start of a whole new journey. Absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. Mr. Hill. Hello, sir. What the heck's going on at Marriage, Kids and Money, my friend? Well, yeah, I've got a podcast called Marriage, Kids and Money. It's out every Monday and we do a lot of these types of conversations we're talking about today. We talk. We have one segment on the show called Family Fi and it's about people who are pursuing financial independence or looking into this lifestyle design change with kids and how that works and how you can both be a parent and design the life you want to have. So yeah, you can find that anywhere you 
find podcasts, Marriage, Kids, and Money. Where the best podcasts are sold, you will find Marriage, Kids, and Money. (laughs) For the low price of free. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Only if you act now, though. Only if you act now. Are you sitting down? All this goodness is free, too. And it's worth every penny. I've listened to it. (laughs) Thank you, sir. (laughs) I don't know if that's a compliment or uh, Yeah, not sure. (laughs) Hey, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to today's special episode of, uh, I almost said of the Stacky Benjamin Show, of... (laughs) Of And Bobby won't like that. So let's call this Money with Friends. Uh, coming up later this week, we're going to have our reveal show, Bobby and I. So tune in for that. And if you want more about who our guests are going to be and what's coming up on the podcast, head to moneywithfriendspodcast.net. Uh, that's going to do it for today. On behalf of Andy and Chris, I'm Joe Salcihai. We'll see you next time back here at Money with Friends. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.